Hello and welcome to Simplified. My name is Gurjot. My name is Michael. And this is episode 10. Today we have with us someone finally from my home country, <laughs> India, <laughs> Professor Vijay Natarajan from the very prestigious Indian Institute of Sciences, Bangalore. Professor Natarajan, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi guys, yeah, uh, wonderful initiative. Yeah, glad to be here. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? What, what's the weather like in Bangalore? Oh, uh, uh, today is good. Uh, thankfully, we have rains. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's nice to hear because the weather here hasn't been all that great for the last month. It, it's all of April, it's been snowing and raining. It's becoming here. winter again. <laughs> okay, so it's the other way around. We're just uh, glad that the, temp- the temperatures dipped a little bit. It's been quite hot. Uh, un- un- unusual for Bangalore. Yeah. But... <laughs> now to start things off, can you give us a 30 second pitch of what you do and why it's cool? Um, okay, sure. So um, I'm interested in uh, understanding data. So uh, the way I go about doing that is uh, creating pictures out of data and allowing people to um, both explore the pictures and um, uh, kind of interactively query the pictures to understand uh, interesting patterns in their data, uh, make hypotheses, and then solve uh, underlying uh, scientific problems. So when you say understand data, what kind of data are we talking about? Um, yeah, so that's uh, kind of an interesting question. Um, so our uh, research community, uh, uh, the visualization community, um, kind of uh, we like to uh, categorize ourselves um, into um, so-called infoviz, information visualization and scientific visualization uh, communities. Um, so this classification is based on the kind of data, right? So. Um, um, so if the data has uh, is, is, is uh, geometric in nature, right? So let me give examples. Um, if the data is, let's say, temperature um, in the room that you're sitting in, or maybe temperature across uh, the globe, um, or um, uh, the density of uh, fluid as it passes through um, some uh, some chamber, or uh, pressure in a room. So those are spatial in nature. So you have pressure at every point, and um, uh, the data is sitting over a geometric domain. Um, so that kind of data, we, we call it in, in this community, we call it scientific data. Uh, the data is not really scientific, in, more scientific than the other kinds of data. It's just that the data comes typically from science engineering disciplines. Right? So to contrast, you have data that need not have a geometric uh, context. So, um, I mean, we see such data in day-to-day lives, right? So the emails that you get, um, um, or for example, census information, right? So population information and things like that. Um, um, uh, Other kinds of uh, statistics uh, that you uh, get bombarded with uh, uh, in the the media every day, right? Or for example, the, the kind of, so if you have a web page, then uh, who is visiting you, right? yeah. or social social networks, right? So there is no geometric context there. It's just connectivity. I mean, I'm connected to you as a friend. You're connected to someone else as a friend. I mean, we are not. Uh, there's no spatial context here. 
So the kind of visualization one needs for these two uh, different kinds of data is uh, inherently different. So, so I work with the uh, uh, with scientific data primarily. So data that comes, let's say, from um, imaging devices. So uh, our CT scans, MRI scans, um, and then more. Um, uh, these are uh, uh, kind of scans uh, that many of us um, have uh, gone through. Uh, right? As you go older, maybe not. <laughs> but also uh, other similar uh, uh, imaging devices, right, are used in uh, in science disciplines like um, uh, electron microscopy, yes. um, which allows you to look at. The fine resolution detail. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so such uh, scanners and medical or imaging devices give you data with a spatial context. And I'm interested in uh, understanding patterns in these data. Another source of data is uh, simulations. Um, often uh, we are not able to do measurements. So, for example, um, I work. Uh, uh, closely with uh, climate scientists. Okay. Um, uh, so in order to understand, for example, um, sort of, uh, one of the recent problems that, uh, people have, that I work with uh, looking at is the monsoon in India. It's considerably one of the hardest problems uh, uh, because there are so many factors that affect the monsoon in India. Uh, um, and in order to understand this, you need uh, data. So you need data in terms of wind, Speeds, wind velocities over the domain, over the region, not just India, but the whole uh, globe. And, uh, you also need temperature, pressure uh, information, uh, precipitation information over uh, uh, over over many years, right? Decades. Mm -hmm. um, and this data is cannot always be measured. Right? We don't have enough measuring uh, instruments or uh, even the technology to do uh, kinds of measurements. Um, so we rely on uh, simulations. So uh, from first principles, uh, you model the physics yeah. and um, uh, look at the circulation models. And uh, from that, um, uh, you, you start from some timestamp where you are able to, uh, um, so you assume some initial conditions and then you run the simulation forward. We, of course, uh, uh, fix, I mean, you fix the simulations, you correct the simulations is the right yeah. word. Correct the simulations with whatever measurements you have, um, and that also gives you, for example, it gives you uh, the temperature over uh, uh, over the land uh, for hundreds of years. Yes. So, yeah, that that's a wide variety of sources uh, you talked about. I'm pretty sure the use case for visualization in different uh, areas is different. Could you? Uh, emphasize on that. So, if, so if we talk about the monsoon problem, so uh, what exactly do you visualize from this data? Do you create like a map of the globe, and what is it that you do? Right. So um, yeah, I'll try to answer that question first, and then uh, take off uh, from there. So um, in in the, the particular case of uh, climate science, uh, uh, there are a couple of problems that um, I have looked at. I mean, I'm a computer scientist. I'm no climate scientist. Yeah. So I start with the problems that, uh, uh, that the climate scientists are interested in and try to see what kind of uh, uh, technology, what, uh, uh, what kind of uh, algorithms will help them solve uh, their problems. 
Right? So one of the problems that they are looking at currently is, uh, um, well, this was in the past, so it's, it's how, how do clouds move, right? Um, so clouds um, are uh, very difficult to, to handle um, uh, on the computer because uh, they are, uh, I mean, there's no clear definition of what a cloud is. You don't know where the cloud begins and where it ends. There's no clear boundary, right? So, um, so one of the problems they are interested in is tracking clouds over time. Okay. Uh, so why is this useful? Um, uh, this uh, clouds and often clouds as in rain bearing, uh, rain bearing clouds, right? So they are indicative of um, uh, rainfall. Yeah. Now, um, uh, especially if two cloud systems uh, um, uh, hit each other, right? Yeah. Have catastrophic events, right? So you have huge rainfall events. Um, for example, there are at least two such instances that happened in India over the past decade. Uh, one in, uh, in Mumbai uh, about 10 years ago, there was a huge amount of rainfall on a single day. Yeah. And more recently in uh, Chennai, when there was uh, multiple such events happened and there were a lot of floods. Yes. Um, so, uh, so for, yeah, for such um, specific uh, phenomena, so the tracking of clouds is very important. But uh, cloud tracking is also more important to study uh, long-term behavior. Um, so to see if there are any repeating patterns that happen. Right? So for example, monsoons uh, in India happen always from May to July. Yeah. Right? Um, so what happens? How do the how does the monsoon proceed? Right? So in order to be able to answer such questions, in order to understand the science, uh, one has to um, um, know where the clouds are coming from and where are they heading and where do they you know, disperse. Yeah. Uh, so for this reason, cloud, cloud uh, tracking is important. And uh, we leave it at that. We don't really, under, as computer scientists, I don't understand how uh, the information about the clouds is, is used to understand uh, weather patterns and climate science. But I help with the tracking and collecting data from it. Um, yes. So, so you mean your focus is more in transforming this data into something more comprehensible, such that computer scientists and other people can make predictions? Exactly. So I don't do predictions uh, myself, but I'm interested. So, so what the kind of techniques we develop is, is uh, starting from um, existing simulations and existing satellite-based measurements, um, um, extract clouds, um, yeah, and um, in a in a interactive visualization framework, right? A visual framework where you see the clouds, um, 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 show the tracks of these clouds, and uh, allow allow for different kinds of queries, um, so that the the user, in this case, the user is a climate scientist, um, allow them to make yes. the, uh, pose different kinds of queries, and um, for example, the kind of queries they may be interested in is for the duration of 2000 to 2010, show me the tracks of um, um, all westward moving clouds. Um, and once they show, once you see such, uh, this this query A has to be um, answered quickly, and it has to be, um, and B, it has to be answered in a visual form, right? 
you don't want uh, just the data yes. to be uh, listed right in a as text you want it to be displayed in a understandable form i cannot just display all the clouds that would clutter the entire screen i yeah. have to come up with interesting representations of the cloud so that it, it can be uh, displayed on the screen and you can imagine over 10 years there are so what you see is like a map of india with a representation of the clouds that are moving westwards that Correct. that's what then, you create okay. but in addition it's very important to uh, answer these queries right so or to allow for these queries uh, to be posed in the first right so then they can look at interesting yeah. patterns are you trying to come up with a general process of analyzing this data or are you analyzing individual data sets right. So I started off by talking about this because this is a specific problem uh, in a specific application domain. So the solution is also um, uh, catered to this yeah. particular uh, problem, right? But the underlying technology, uh, like how do you uh, detect these rain cells, these clouds? How do you track them? Right? Those are generic problems that we are interested in. So um, uh, we we have uh, over ten years. we have designed fast algorithms to detect uh, these cloud like uh, structures like so for for us these are not clouds per se but uh, these are just uh, um, some volume elements like some volumetric objects that we are tracking over time now how do you define these volumetric objects given just pressure or temperature um, and then how do you track them over time how do you display them over time those are computer science uh, questions that we ask yeah uh, so that's the kind of technology that we have developed um, in order to answer uh, questions for example in in the case of monsoon uh, i'm sorry in the case of uh, uh, cloud tracking these volume objects were clouds but in other applications for example um, uh, if you if you look at um, uh, let's say study of fluids like right? so many people are interested in study yeah fluids like people in aerospace people in the industry they're interested in studying fluids and how they move so here again such volume elements come in play come into play so uh, many of the turbulent structures can can be represented um, using uh, some of these volume elements now again you want to you are interested in tracking these volume elements over time and see where they merge with each other or split each other uh, so the same technology is used in those applications as well yeah um so, so that's uh, that's essentially our the uh, that, yeah that that sounds the underlying work that that goes in but yeah. then we look at specific applications we don't look at all applications um because uh, working with uh, with a different domain takes takes a while right? so so i primarily have uh, i have worked primarily and it's science books mm-hmm. uh at iisc so the books are looking at biological problems so people study protein yeah so i'm i'm assuming also a major role that you play in this is i mean i'm pretty sure the climate scientists themselves could figure out one way of visualize some or the other way of visualizing the data they have but you kind of give them something that's maybe easier and also much more faster isn't it uh that's correct i mean uh, speed must be like, like one of the best things you do you 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 make a uh, data visualization really fast being computer that's scientists and better at algorithms 
Right. So speed is, is something we are always looking at, yes. Um, uh, you know, one, it's a, it's a very, I mean, it's, a, it's probably the sim- simplest to right, quantify and, and claim that we are uh, we're doing good. Yeah. But, uh, but we are equally uh, interested in uh, designing visualizations that are useful, that are effective. Right? So this is a little bit more difficult to quantify. So yeah. you essentially need... Uh, uh, committed uh, users, right? Committed collaborators who will work with you and uh, so, you know, use the system or use the algorithms that, that we develop um, in in their work. Right? So, and if they are able to successfully use it, then we call uh, our system as uh, as useful. And if they are able to use it to answer their questions quickly, then we say that our system is effective. So, there are two. Uh, both speed is important. But I think equally important is, uh, is how effective is. Uh, is yes, I mean, speed is important because the the size of data is increasing much faster than computational levels are increasing, right? I mean, processor speeds can only follow Moore's law, but data seems to be growing at a much larger pace. Am I right? That, that is true. Um, um, and we, so uh, there are many, there are many uh, uh, resources that are actually growing. Uh, at rapid pace, but something that's not growing uh, is um, uh, is, the, is for example the window size, right? Yeah. Or uh, our cognitive capabilities is not really increasing. So um, uh, even if I can uh, compute, um, for example, a um, million clouds, right, within a fraction of a second, I I cannot simply display all those clouds on the screen. Because the human uh, is there, right? So the human yeah. cannot comprehend all that information. So what is very important is, uh, I mean, that's, that is a major constraint for us. Right? Um, we will have to eventually present the data uh, in a form that is palatable to the to the, to, user, to the end user. Yeah, so can, to the end user. Yes. So that they can make so, do you think machine learning and artificial intelligence would also play a very important role because uh, maybe machines could understand data much better than uh, human scientists on the other end, right? I mean, you uh, wouldn't have to quite... make a like a dumbed-down representation of the data. You could just throw the entire data out, and the machine could get it. Uh, that's perfectly uh, right. So that makes sense. Uh, um, with uh, with better uh, machine learning algorithms being available now. Um, uh, that's a, a very valid uh, uh, approach. Uh, but one of the things, one of the uh, situations where visualization plays a very important role is uh, when um, one does not know what, uh, so as a scientist, if I don't know what I'm looking for, right? So I have data and I know there are some patterns there. I, I, I don't have a definition of the pattern. Um, I also, uh, I only have. Uh, Based on prior work, I, I know about uh, related uh, uh, data. This particular data is fresh for me. I don't know what it contains. So um, the way I try, I find interesting patterns in there is by exploring. So in this situation, it's, it becomes a little bit difficult for a machine learning approach to, to help. Um, but once I'm able to explore and identify impossible interesting patterns, then I could... Um, use uh, like a data mining algorithm or, um, or, or any other classifier uh, or 
or any machine learning algorithm to uh, to help me find all such patterns quickly. Um, but exploring and identifying what is interesting um, requires uh, the human. So even here, the machine learning uh, kind of approach can help, um, uh, but it will always require some kind of model. Right? So machine learning algorithm will require a model. It, unfortunately, in this situation, it cannot learn from prior data right? because the data that you are generating is new and possibly the first of its kind. Right? So the kind of approaches that have been used to recognize faces, right? to recognize uh, uh, speech and so on. Right? So they rely heavily on large uh, data sets. Uh, so all the what's hot now, deep learning, relies heavily on availability of large large amounts of data. So unfortunately, in this uh, situation, we we have one data set, right? So, uh, so the, the human is, is required. Yeah. That's it. Now, would you draw a clear distinction between a scientist like yourself and like the modern day data scientists, you know, people who are employed by say Facebook and Google to look at analytics data uh, of user uh, interaction and stuff. Would you say there's like, apart from uh, on a very general scale that they are looking at data and trying to infer something from it and you're doing the same thing, but there's a, there's a clear distinction. Like you said, you, you look at scientific data and user interaction data is not exactly scientific. In that regard, um, so there is a lot of overlap, right? So, so visualization does play a very important role uh, for a data scientist, right? It is it has it is a part of their toolbox. So the way I, uh, so I so I'm a I'm an academic researcher. So my goal is to um, provide uh, better methods, better algorithms, better technology that can sit into their visualization toolbox, right? So uh, so into the visualization toolbox of a data scientist, into the visualization toolbox of a, um, of a domain scientist, right? of a plant yeah. scientist, or of a, uh, a biologist, or of a, or a physicist. So in that, that is uh, probably the difference between what I do and what a data scientist would do. The data scientist is, is interested in understanding everything about that particular data, whereas yeah. I'm interested in developing methods that could be used by yes. data scientists. Right? But my focus is only on visualization. So in that sense, uh, there is some overlap. Generally speaking, how would you describe your approach to new problems? Say you're given a new problem to solve. What's your general first step? Um, okay. Uh, kind of a hard question to answer this. You <laughs> know a recipe, right? I mean, if it's, I don't know. Um, it's okay, so I work on uh, both theoretical problems and um, working together with uh, like domain scientists. So the approach is a little bit different for the two, uh, if I have to generalize. Uh, so if I'm working with a, uh, let's say if I'm working with a climate scientist on say the problem, problem my first uh, few steps would be to, to sit down and understand what they are talking so this would be over the discussions, um, um, reading papers uh, that I don't understand beyond the first and second paragraphs, right? So understanding their language first. Um, and then um, uh, once we 
understand the problem, then um, then the next step would be to get some quick visualizations out using existing off-the-shelf software. So this is also to understand uh, their problem. Right? So in the first stage, we try to understand their problem by reading it. In the second stage, we try to convince them that we have understood their problem by coming up with simple solutions. And then, um, uh, yeah, so then I guess we sit down and like, design uh, kind of a novel solution for them. Um, I think that is as uh, probably course uh, description, but yeah. the final details really differ from one project to the other. Yeah, that, that's all uh, really good. All right, as a closing state uh, question. Mm -hmm. We would like to know what's on your bookmarks bar on your browser. <laughs> oh, oh um, I don't use uh, bookmarks uh, anymore. So if you look, if I if I go back and look at my bookmarks, they're all from my PHP days. We find it so strange. I mean, the last couple of interviews we've done, people don't use bookmarks anymore. It just doesn't make sense to us because we still actively use bookmarks. <laughs> Okay, so even on my, uh, so I don't use bookmarks at search, uh, but more importantly, even on my, uh, I use a Mac. I don't use folders much. Okay. Are there specific websites you frequently browse? Um, yes. Um, so I have my library on uh, Google Scholar. Uh, the library um, is automatically populated with my papers and papers of interest to me. Mm -hmm. So I look at that for recent updates uh, often. So... Um, and I also look at uh, journals and conferences. Yeah. Um, but out of uh, besides this, um, most specific tools that I look at, maybe now I will add uh, simplified. Yes, yes, that yes. means <laughs> then you can tell everyone about it. <laughs> well, that that that's fantastic, Professor Natarajan. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we wish you good luck with your visualizations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it and gave us your feedback. We publish a new episode every week. For more details, visit our website simplified.xyz.